What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Radio's authority on the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology. Celebrating 25 years of broadcasting. Broadcasting around the world and to the great beyond. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. The Zone Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Zone Radio and TV show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Zone Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. <laughs> All Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. 
anybody here See my old friend Abraham Can you tell me where he's gone He freed a lot of people But it seems good they die young You know I just looked around And he's Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Send me your emails, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, and our website, exxonradio.com. And we're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and in Europe on Radio X. We're going to be talking about a, a book that I received a copy of, thanks to our good friends at Trinday. And I've got to tell you something. You pick this book up, you can't put it down until you've finished it. It's entitled Most Dangerous, A True Story. Out of the bowels of the sleepy southern town of Tupelo, Mississippi, the birthplace of Elvis Presley, emerges a darkly humorous true story of stage terror, occult ritual, and mind control. Now, the book reads like a uh, tale that is, you know, anything but true. But unfortunately for the main character and all those around him, everything is all too true. My guest this hour is the author... S.K. Bain finds himself caught up in the middle of something bigger and uglier than he can first fathom. Now, we've heard that a lot of times on this show, haven't we, Exonation? Yet, to his dismay, he catches on rather quickly to what's taking place around him, and near simultaneously elsewhere across the country in places such as Boston, Massachusetts, and West Texas, because he's seen this sort of thing before. He wrote the book on it literally as soon as he realizes just how much danger he and his family are in. Let's put things into perspective. The year is 2013, the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination, and Kent Bain discovers that he is enmeshed in a year-long series of scripted events meticulously planned and brilliantly executed by some of the most ruthless, diabolically creative powerful psychopaths on the planet. And as the story unfolds, it turns out that Kent has an idea who, specifically, might be behind his woes. And if he's correct, Exxon Nation, it's even less likely that he's going to get out of it alive. Thank God he did get out of alive because he's with us this hour. Kent Bain, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you. It's great to be with you. My good Lord, man, what did you do? Well, uh, I apparently antagonized some uh, rather powerful interests uh, through the writing of my first book, which was uh, the most dangerous book in the world, 9-11 is Mass Ritual. That would do it. 
that would do it. You know, a lot of people do not buy the government explanation of 9-11. Many people believe there's a conspiracy behind it. Many people believe that there's more to this than meets the eye. And when you said the word ritual, a light went on. And I'd never heard that word before used when talking about 9-11. Let's talk more on the other side of this break, Kent. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a great pleasure having you with us here in the Exxon tonight. Great to be here. Exxon Nation, my guest is Kent Bain. His website, themostdangerousbookintheworld.com. That's www.themostdangerousbookintheworld.com. And Kent and I will be back in two minutes. You will not want to miss one moment of this interview. We'll be back. Don't go away. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Wilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we will weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Wilda Wiaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. began to demonstrate a metaphysical connection to the spirit world as a little girl. 
Her family noticed the connection, but it was a great-grandmother who told the family that Linnea was indeed gifted. The great-grandmother, who was also gifted, felt that Linnea had indeed inherited these attributes. It has been noticed that oftentimes, such things are passed down through the generations. Linnea was also born with a call, a thin white membrane across a newborn's face. Legend has it that if the baby is born with this call, the child will have second sight, or what we call psychic abilities. Linnea Starr does past, present, and future, and has the gift of prophecy. It is written within scriptures that if you are able to give factual information, and prophecies indeed come true, the gift indeed comes from the divine realm. Linnea Starr does large interactive groups as well as private gatherings. For more information on Linnea Starr or to contact Linnea for a one-on-one consultation, visit her website at www.linneastar.com. That's www.l-i-n-n-e-a-s-t-a-r.com. been a year, Daddy. I really, really miss you. Mommy says you're safe now. In a beautiful place called heaven. We have your favorite dinner tonight. I ate it all up. Even though I don't like carrots. Take you away from me. I learned how this one this summer. I can even open my eyes. I'm underwater. You know, every time I hear that song, Exonation, I get a lump in my throat. I can still remember watching those, to- those towers being hit by those planes. I can still remember the the news footage of the first responders running towards running towards the towers running towards the problems god bless them all my guest this hour is kent bain and uh, kent welcome back to the exxon tell us a bit about your book most dangerous the um the book was um written after a series of things happened to me uh, following the uh, publishing of my first book, uh, 9-11 is Mass yeah. Ritual. And the um, it, the events that occurred to me are set against the backdrop of the 20th or the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination. Right. And um, many of your listeners are probably familiar with the idea of the Kennedy assassination as a ritual. Yes. And... Um, as I discovered, 9-11 was also a mass ritual, and in, in 2013, it um, became evident to me uh, during the fairly quickly during the course of the year that uh, there was also a commemorative ritual taking place um, in various locations around the world, uh, well, well, mainly in the United States, but then also right in my backyard, uh, literally right across from my office. There were a series of things that occurred in Tupelo, Mississippi that were part of a larger scripted ritual that took place in Boston, Massachusetts, West Texas, uh, and uh, various other 
locations, but uh, I've somehow found myself with a front row seat to the action, and um, it was not necessarily a comfortable position to be in. Um, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Things uh, would happen, and I would just uh, keep looking over my shoulder, waiting for what was next. And the um, uh, so the the book tells all that makes much more sense of it than I can in a short radio program. Um, it it ta- tells about the the things that happened to me and my family, my my son in particular. Can you sh- and, can, can you share that with us? Because I, I believe that that is very important that the the audience hear from you in your own words the plight that your family suffered because of this. Yeah, in particular the the probably the the most dramatic thing that happened um, at least. From my perspective, was um, it was September 11th, 2013, and that was the first anniversary uh, of the publishing of my book. Trying to release my book on September 11th, 2012, mm-hmm. and on September 11th, 2013, I was doing an interview with a conspiracy culture bookstore. Um, we did a two-hour special. And I had just wrapped that up and uh, was getting ready to go to bed. And my son had um, a, a major seizure, and he mm-hmm. had never been—he um, had never experienced anything of that nature. Never, he was not predisposed to any type of electric activity. And um, that the the timing of that event and the the nature of what he was, uh, what he suffered through, just. Um, really floored me. The uh, seizures con- continued, and uh, there were other things that kind of reinforced my perception that that was payback for the things that I revealed in my first book. And, um, of course, I, I go into a lot more detail in the, in the book on the things that happened and the timing, and just there, there were a whole series of things. And I um, there was a another author uh, that I tell about in the book Philip Marshall who had written of uh, 9/11 the big bamboozle mm-hmm. and some some other uh, titles and as it uh, turned out uh, earlier that year he had uh, been found dead with his family at his residence and they'd been um, it was a, a, a supposedly a, a murder suicide but uh, it looked more like an execution style um, assassination and so that was certainly in the back of my mind as all these things were, were taking place and happening to me. I kept wondering how, how much further it was going to progress. And uh, fortunately, I didn't end up uh, in a, a body bag. But uh, the, that was a, there was a lot of stress that year. Sure. And I ended up wondering if I should have written the, uh, my first book at all. How's your son now? He's much better. Um, the he's uh, was was uh, put on medication that, that mm-hmm. controlled his seizures, but uh, there's not really a family history of seizures. Uh, he had not ever had any of that type of activity, and so you know, I was left to guess uh, what he had been subjected to mm-hmm. that that induced those seizures. And uh, but I didn't I didn't have a whole lot of question as to, to why he was subjected to that. You talk about a ritual. Who is behind the ritual? Is it the skull and bones? Is it another secret society? The uh, skull and bones is certainly a logical candidate. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think there are others, and I think there's probably an interlocking set of interests uh, and uh, influential parties that that orchestrated it. 9/11. Um, as you as you begin to understand the scope and scale, not only of the attacks but the psychological warfare and the uh, that involved occult components. If, when you really understand how deep and and broad the conspiracy was, you, you know you you understand that it was not the result of um, you know just two or three years of um, scheming on the part of the Bush administration. That it goes much further, much deeper. And the um, it's um, once you begin to, to grasp the magnitude of it, it's it's really startling. But why would anyone, any organization, secret or not, want to take out nearly three thousand people? Well, you know, certainly when you see what was accomplished on the back of nine eleven, the reduction in civil liberties, the um, the two wars that resulted from the attacks, you know, their, their, uh, the military-industrial complex certainly benefited to an, an, a, a high degree from from those attacks, and so they, you know, from their perspective, uh, that's, uh, that's the um, those lives are certainly expendable in pursuit of greater wealth for the uh, military-industrial complex. But um, from an occult perspective, of course, you could view the deaths, uh, and as I believe is the case, as sacrifices. To um, there, there would be any number of dark gods that you could say that they could possibly have been sacrificing to. But um, uh, I, I think it's clear uh, from, at least to me, from my research, that the uh, the deaths did have significance, did have importance. Uh, to those who took the lives, and in a in a ritual context, and so they were not just, um, you know, unfortunate deaths. They were intentional deaths, um, and that were not um, that, and that it just was uh, you know, a really terrible thing. It's a, it certainly was a terrible thing. Anyone who was around in twenty. You know, 2001 realizes that. I, I remember getting a call from my son who was working at uh, a sporting show. I had finished my on-air shift at 4 o'clock in the morning. It was, by the time I get to bed, it's around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. I finally get to sleep, and my son calls me, and he says, Dad, you've got to get up, turn on the TV. The, you know, the there's a plane that flew into the 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 trade center. So I get up and I go downstairs and I turn on the TV and sure enough, you know, and as I'm sitting there watching in horror at this time, it wasn't established. It was a terrorist attack. But when you saw the second airplane fly into it, you knew damn well that America was under attack. That's what everyone who was watching thought. But there's a big difference between a ritual and an attack. Yeah, the, you're you're right, and uh, the I mean, the truth is that it was both um, a false flag terror attack and a mass ritual, and the uh, the planning that that entailed in, to make it serve a dual purpose to not only be um, you know a staged Muslim jihadi terror attack, 
but then to have the ritual components, the numbers and the symbols uh, the, uh, incorporated into those attacks uh, increased the logistical planning necessary uh, you know, considerably. I couldn't estimate you know, how much more complicated it made their job, but they've got unlimited resources and are willing to expend them. Uh, and the uh, there was a really s- strong psychological warfare program that accompanied the the attacks that was you know targeted the the American public and the go- global public, and um, the so that you have uh, a series of events that were staged terror, mass ritual, and psychological warfare, and of course ritual elements um, are are not uncommonly incorporated into psychological warfare um, tactics, but it's uh, it's a much more sophisticated um, series of events than than most people realize. They, some people are at level one where they mm-hmm. they understand that the, the official story is false, and some people see that uh, you know even beyond that that the um, there were some um, uh, occult aspects. But then when you dig even deeper and understand the the really powerful psychological warfare that was being employed. Uh, to influence public opinion and to uh, keep the perpetrators com- completely hidden from public view, it's um, it's a much more sophisticated affair than than even uh, than it first appeared. All right, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, Kent Bain is our special guest. Heavy food, thought, you know. A lot to think about here, Exonation. A lot to think about. www.themostdangerousbookintheworld.com is the website, and Kent and I will be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Can you tell me where he's gone? Home? I thought I saw him walking up over the hill. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. 
His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Join High Tech with Corey K. weekly here on the Exome Broadcast Network. From the world of computers to the ever-popular computerized gadgetry that are becoming part of our everyday life and living and society. From kids and their gaming devices, teens and their smartphones, to the applications of personal and business computers. From hardware to software, from standalone units to network computers. Join high-tech guru Corey K. weekly right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network as he takes on the topics that will be of use and great value to the international audience of the Exxon Broadcast Network. High Tech with Corey K. weekly at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. A gargantuan explosion! Oh my God, I don't believe it! The northeast corner has exploded in the most incredible explosion. Flames are flying out of the building. They're five, ten stories high now. Black billowing smoke. The building corner, the whole entire corner is gone. Both World Trade Center buildings in New York City right now, heaps of rubble. At 9 o'clock this morning, a plane crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center in lower Manhattan. I heard the noise. Back everyone, Kent Bain is our special guest for this hour. www.themostdangerousbookintheworld.com. So, so Kent, who had anything to gain by three thousand people dying on the attacks? You know, on nine eleven, was it the military complex? Was it the um, the fossil fuel industry? There has to be more to it than what we're what we're led to believe? Well, I think the answer is all of the above and then more. Wow. Uh, it, we're, we're beneficiaries of, of the 9-11 attacks. And I think ultimately it benefited not just those 
um, entities and interests, but the um, multinational <clears throat> banking cartel that that runs the world. Um, I think it further consolidated their power, eroded civil liberties, eroded the national sovereignty of the United States. Mm -hmm. I think it was a stepping stone on the path to uh, one world government, uh, global governance, and it is, was 9-11 was used to um, create an environment of terror in which the American public would acquiesce to anything, give up it, all freedoms, um, that and just as, as long as the government would keep them safe from the Islamic terrorists, they they would uh, give up anything that was asked of them. And so I think it was not just about money; it was also about power. And I think that 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 has been um, a a steady march that began well before 9/11. 9/11 was a a key mm -hmm. uh, component of that overall program, but it's continued, uh, you know, at a, a heavy pace since then. And we've been subjected to a, additional false flag attacks and uh, manipulation of psychological warfare. And I think, uh, I think, unfortunately, we may be on the precipice of a um, something that was even worse than 9-11. Um, and we, the, I think we'll, we'll certainly find out as the year progresses, but this, there, there seem to be so many converging factors right now at this point in history that um, I'm, I'm, and a lot of other people are very concerned that something, uh, you know, is about to change. There's about to be a sea change, and it will probably come as a result of, you know, a catastrophic event, uh, more than likely staged terror, 9-11 uh, on steroids, if you will. Wow. Uh, and it's hard to predict what that will be. But, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, ugly options. And so you kind of just can use your imagination about it. Do you think that uh, President Bush knew what was going on? I do. I don't know how uh, in-depthly he was involved with, with the planning uh, or execution of the event. But it, it certainly seems uh, from my research mm -hmm. uh, and the analysis that I've and I've done that I've you know, looked at from that other people have completed that he, he did have foreknowledge and it, it, um, he certainly seemed to have been playing a, a specific role on nine 11, not just, um, you know, the, the crafted role of commander in chief, which, you know, of course we would expect from the president, but I think that it, um, in the book I talk about, um, him serving as, a, you know, in a way, almost a high priest, for 9/11, uh, with 9/11 being you know, essentially a global black mass, and the um, I, d I devote a whole chapter to where Bush was on 9/11, what he was doing, and the uh, the occult nature of of the uh, lo the location and the uh, that he was in, and the the things that he was doing that morning. Well, wasn't he in in Florida talking to a kindergarten class? He was. Um, and, and as I go through uh, in my first book and mm -hmm. talk about the numbers and symbols that were incorporated into the script, that what I refer to as the occult script for 9-11, um, and take each event from the Twin Towers to the attacks on the Pentagon to where Bush was and what he was doing that morning, 
there are some very interesting um, elements that that jump out at you um, that, you know, to describe them in a a kind of an off-the-cuff casual manner, it might sound – might not sound that damning, Mm -hmm. but – in, in context of everything else that took place that day and the known occult factors uh, that were purposely integrated into the events that day, what, uh, you know, as I describe in the book, it's, you know, he's, he was essentially serving as the high priest on 9-11. And, um, it, you know, I, I, the way that I've just described his role would probably not convince anybody. But I think I, the, the chapter or two that I devote to it in the book would come much closer to, to uh, making that case because right. it's, you know, it's about the context and it's about the specific symbols and it's about, um, you know, understanding why that would have been the case. And, and so it's, it's, um, it's not rocket science, but it is, you know, somewhat complicated and sophisticated and it, it is hard to describe in sound in, not in sound bites, but in, in short blocks because, uh, the there's no one element of 9/11 that you can point to and say, "Aha, this was an occult ritual." It's the total um, weight of the evidence uh, related to all of the incidents and setting those in context. And and uh, you know, I think I did a pretty good job of that in the first book and uh, of helping people understand the the rationale behind. The, what was done and why, what symbols, uh, what the, the meaning of the symbols um, that were incorporated were and that type of thing. So it's um, it points to, you know, some involvement on the part of some, you know, senior government officials uh, that uh, some people might find surprising. So tell me, based on your research, based on the hell that you and your family have gone through, why was Kennedy assassinated? Well, I, I only touched on that in my first book, but then that is the at the core of the second book. Um, and I, I, I not only talk about the, of course, the 50th anniversary, but then I go back and deal with the um, killing of the king ritual that was performed in 1963 in Dallas at Daly Plaza. And... Um, it, I dissect it just like I did 9-11. I take it apart and look at the occult elements, the, uh, the ritual elements, um, physically in Daly Plaza, then the dates, the, the numbers, and, um, then look at how the assassination was coordinated and, uh, just pick it apart and then ex- explain, uh, from an occult perspective, what was significant, what was accomplished. And then, you know, of course, there were some very practical objectives, just like on 9-11, that that was used to take us, lead us into two wars. There were very practical objectives that resulted from the uh, Kennedy's assassination, but then it it doubled as a mass ritual. And it also was um, involved some fairly sophisticated psychological warfare tactics. I, early on, I kind of made the uh, mistake of assuming that because it took place 50 years ago, it would be less sophisticated than 9/11, and that just showed me how little I knew. Because as I as I really researched the Kennedy assassination, 
it was every bit as sophisticated as 9-11. It may be a slightly less technologically sophisticated, but it, it was uh, – it cast a spell uh, over the entire world that has yet to be broken. And so the um, the Kennedy assassination as mass ritual um, – you know, it is a huge part of my, of the second book, and and uh, I devote multiple chapters to it. And um, so I uh, would en- encourage mm-hmm. your listeners to uh, take a read. But why are these rituals, these organizations, allowed to get away with murder? Well, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic, um, but uh, my perspective is that the the organizations that orchestrate these events mm-hmm. that are false flag terror, uh, mass ritual, uh, psychological warfare in probably equal parts, they're essentially untouchable. Uh, they're they're ab- above the level of um, you know the the U.S. government. They they um, manipulate our intelligence and military services uh, with with extreme ease, uh, it's, there's a huge gray area there. It's not clear to me how everything interfaces, how it works, and how the control uh, is um, set up. But uh, you know, you can you can look at the results, you can look at the evidence, and kind of infer what has to take place and how much control they have to have in order to do the things that they do. That's one of the things that really struck me about both 9/11 and the Kennedy assassination. Uh, you know, with with Kennedy in particular, you look at all of the Freemasons that were in the mix, uh, both uh, in in Dallas and and then in that were in and the Freemasons that were involved in the um, investigation and what many people would would see correctly as uh, as the cover up, uh, and so it's. Uh, it's just uh, somewhat discouraging when you realize how influential, uh, how much power these people have, and and ultimately that they. My perspective is that they're 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 untouchable, and uh, I, I, my my publisher Chris Milligan, is uh, is more optimistic about things, and I try to let him influence me in a positive direction. Right. So here we have the president of the United States, John F. Kennedy assassinated for for ritual purposes. Then we have September the 11th, 2001. 3,000 people, approximately, sacrificed. But for what? All right, so all right, the United States, you know, may have wanted to go into the Middle East and... This gave them the opportunity. You've got a president who really didn't look that shocked when you uh, look at the video footage of him in that kindergarten class in Florida. I agree there's a lot that doesn't make sense. But how in the name of heaven could something this traumatic be perpetrated without somebody spilling the beans? Well, that's one of the things that um, probably is the the most disturbing at least to me uh is that their control is so complete mm-hmm. um and so total that they can shut down any sort of investigation any sort of real publicity of, of the uh, um 
their operation is so sophisticated and so multifaceted, they, any avenues of exposure they have predicted and they have shut down in advance. And it's the when I talk about the psychological warfare, I know I've discussed it very generally here, but it is yes. extremely sophisticated. It's extremely broad based, and it it uh, they they anticipate any move on, on the part of anybody that would challenge them. They they are three steps ahead of everybody at any time, uh, and and I that. Um, all, right, all right, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What about Martin Luther King being assassinated? What about the attempted assassination of President Reagan? Were these all tied into ritualistic aspects? Um, now, I've not thoroughly investigated the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination. Mm-hmm. It it does. I've I've read uh, you know some about that event. I think it's clear that uh, James Earl Ray was. Uh, more than likely uh, a patsy and perhaps a mind-controlled assassin. I don't know that there was an occult aspect. Of so, the, you, so are you saying are you saying that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy? Um, there's there's a good bit of evidence yeah. to that effect. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that. Just um, I, I mean, I guess I'm still open to um, discussion on that point. It certainly appears to me that he was that there were multiple. Assassins, and and it, I, I, I've drawn the you know the I guess the tentative conclusion that um, that Oswald was a patsy. I mean the mm-hmm. his his story is uh, really compelling. It's and it's uh, you know that's just uh, there's there's so much to understand about what went on and and his role in it and the things that he did and didn't do. That I mean you know books dozens of books have been written about that. Sure. That topic alone, but um, the uh, you had asked about the um, Martin Luther King assassination. Yes. I, I don't know that there's a you know an occult component for that. All right, but, well, let's let's go back to the JFK. Mm-hmm. The assassination of Lee Harvey Oswald by Jack Ruby was that an occult connection? Mm, I'm not so sure that was. That was probably just cleanup. Um, the, you know, that, that was not necessarily, um, a part of the ritual aspect of the Kennedy assassination. I think maybe that just was a cleanup operation to get him out of the picture, shut him up and just get him, get Hmm. him going. A lot of behind the scenes going on here, isn't there? Um, more than we could ever imagine. But one of the things that, that really struck me during the course of my investigation was um, the how many logical suspects were in Dallas on that day and how many were involved. And if in the, the media coverage of the, the 50th anniversary of the assassination, you mm-hmm. had, you know, the, a, a lot of a rehashing of um, the conspiracies that have emerged over the past few decades. And, you know, you've got anywhere from 12 to, to 15 really good logical suspects for who would have wanted to kill Kennedy. And then you have um, the the presence of 
multiple assassins in Dallas the, or the Dallas area on hey, that day. Hey, Kent, I have to ask you this. Can you hold on for a sec? We've got to take our final sure, break. Exonation. Nation, Kent Bain is our special guest. This has been a great hour, Exonation. If you'd like to know more about Kent, if you'd like to order any of his books, www.themostdangerousbookintheworld.com. Kent and I will be back after this break. Don't go away. children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation, focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. If you enjoy reading a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love From Out of the Woodwork by William S. Peckham. Sean Kennedy, a Toronto contractor, buys derelict houses, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, a century house in ruins, and starts the renovation, the house fights back. He is visited by ghosts of owners past. His visions are triggered by touching an oak mantle, reading a faded letter, opening an old locket, or opening a brand new casket in the basement. These visions will take you on a trip across southern Ontario from Niagara Falls to Toronto to Kingston. From Out of the Woodwork is now available in paperback and on your favorite electronic reader. To order your copy of From Out of the Woodwork, go to www.williamspeckham.com. That's www.williamspeckham.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. 
No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. At the airport in Dallas... Uh, the uh, and throughout the streets of Dallas, the Dallas police had been augmented by some 400 uh, policemen called in on their day off because there were some fears and concerns in Dallas uh, that uh, that there might be demonstrations, at least, that could embarrass the president. Because it was only on October the 24th that our ambassador to the United Nations, Adley Stevenson, uh, was assaulted in Dallas, uh, leaving a dinner meeting there. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Explanation, I guess this hour is, uh, is a gentleman who wrote a great book. His name is, do you have your pencils Vice out President here? Vice President Lyndon Johnson. All right. Hurry up, guys. Get your, get your pencils out. Da, 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 da. Kent Bean is his name, and uh, his website, www.themostdangerousbookintheworld. Kent, it's been a great pleasure talking to you this hour. Um, how can I've we really st- enjoyed it. How can we stop this from happening again, Kent? Well, uh, again, I don't want to sound pessimistic. I'm not sure what we can do practically to stop the perpetrators of these acts. I think that what we can do on on a personal basis is to educate ourselves on what they do, why they do it, and how they get away with it. Um, you know, we can hope that at some mm-hmm. point, um, if people would tear themselves a- away from their televisions long enough, that enough people would will, will wake up that there could be some sort of meaningful resistance. And I don't necessarily mean armed resistance because I think right. that's futile. But that there would be enough of awakening, enough of a, a sea change in, in our consciousness that that something could happen. I think that it you know almost would take a miracle, but we can't rule miracles out. Uh, I think we're outmatched just in terms of resources and probably smarts. But you know we have to stand up for ourselves because if we don't, we're we're really acquiescing in our own enslavement, and that's a point that Michael Hoffman. Uh, makes he's the author of uh, secret societies and psychological warfare and so we even if we don't believe that we can defeat the enemy we have to stand up we have to try because otherwise we're uh, participating in our own enslavement kent what are your final thoughts for the exo nation tonight well building on what i just said uh, i think it it there is value in understanding what our adversaries do, how they do it, why they do it, and helping educate others on that point because we live in a programmed control grid. And if we don't understand how we're manipulated, we can't meaningfully resist, and we, we will be manipulated uh, blindly. And mm-hmm. we, we may be only able to resist in um, ways that are uh, – 
minimal that don't necessarily produce any real dramatic results in a short period of time. But I think the small personal forms of resistance and um, dedicating ourselves to um, making the world a, a, a better, safe place, you know, as trite as that may sound, I mean, we, we have to take these steps. We have to do these things. We have to maintain hope because one of their greatest weapons is the ex- to extinguish our hope and to give us no reason. They, they, they keep us in a state of constant terror through the, these, uh, you know, ongoing series of false flags, attack, false flag attacks. And if we just have to uh, educate ourselves. You know, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great hour. Keep the great work out. You know, we need to hear this. We need to get the message out there. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And, Kent, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to the next time you join us back here in the X-Zone. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Exonation. this has been a great hour. world. Kent Bain has been our guest, and uh, I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. <laughs>